Napa know-how. There are lots of amazing cars on the road, but perhaps none more amazing than the paid-off car. It may not be pretty, but the price is right. Heck, if you keep that thing running, it'll actually start paying you. Because with Napa Rewards, for every $100 you spend, you'll get $5 off. So keep your car running longer, stronger with Napa Rewards and watch the savings start rolling in. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. For SEN America, this is the SEN NBA podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the SEN NBA podcast. As always, I'm your host, Luke Sakari, joined with me, as always, as always for this week anyway, is Chris De Silva. Chris, how you going? Good, mate. Uh, Merry Christmas to you. Yeah, yeah Merry... How, how was your Christmas? How about me not saying Merry Christmas to our listeners? How about it? <laughs> Merry Christmas to all the listeners. Um, Happy New Year as well, because the yes. next time we come to you, it will be 2017, as yeah. scary as that sounds. Uh, what did you get up to, man? Oh, not much. Just down to the um to the Nan's house, had a nice lunch slash nice, dinner nice. with leftovers still in the fridge, of yeah. course. But no, it was a... Great Christmas with the family, you know, it was a hot day in Melbourne, so we had water balloons there. We don't have a pool down there, so we had water balloons to... That's the next best. ...to cool us down, um, which was good because you get absolutely soaked in water balloons. It actually keeps you cool for the entire day because you never dry off. It keeps you cool for the entire day. Um, (laughs) does make the chair a bit wet that you're sitting on, but that's all right. It was good. How about yourself? Yeah, good, man. Much much of the same. Um, uh, lunch, Lunch and dinner with the family, you know... Talking about roast turkey, um, <laughs> you know, all all sorts of meats, man. So it's we like, didn't have much meat on our. We we had a spit roast so with beautiful. Um, We'd um, had that last year with with lamb and and pork uh, with the turkey, and obviously me being Sri Lankan heritage, we have to have curries there as well. <laughs> so um, we had the whole lot, man. It was fantastic. Um, beautiful. But, you know, Christmas doesn't quite feel like... For me, Christmas is always the next day uh, <laughs> because of the games. Yeah, and that's what we're going to um, spend most of this podcast talking about. Now, the, the games happened on Monday. This is on a Wednesday. But you know what? There were five absolute cracking games. So we can still talk about them. Of course, we are talking about the five Christmas Day games, Boxing Day for Australia. But we call them Christmas Day for us, uh, for America, of yep. course. And um, the first game was in Madison, was at Madison Square Garden, the Mecca. It was a it was a matinee affair. It was the Celtics taking down the Knicks one nineteen to one fourteen, and this was a really really fun game. I was watching this game, and Boston were kind of in from about I think Boston took the lead at about midway through the second quarter, and they had it for the rest of the way, and they were in control. They had a double digit lead for most of the game, and then the last two minutes, all of a sudden, I don't know where this came from, but the Knicks just go on this massive run. And they tied the game with something like 40 <laughs> seconds left before Marcus Smart hit a hit a three-pointer at the buzzer. and um, well, Not at the buzzer, excuse me, but about, uh, about 40 seconds left. Yeah. And then they had two big defensive stops. You had um, Al Horford blocking Chris Apps, Paul Zingas, and of course you had Avery Bradley stripping Carmelo Anthony. <laughs> but um, the Knicks made this a game. It was awesome. Yeah, and aside from when they play the Cavs, they always seem to make a game uh, at... Uh, at the Garden, they do. Um, they're eleven and five uh, on the season uh, with a sixteen and fourteen uh, overall record, and yeah, I don't know what it is. Whether it's a crowd or, I, I mean, the crowd in New York we know has always always gotten into games, even when they haven't had a good team. And yeah, this team, I think, um, for me especially, has has surprised me. Has been better. Oh, than they've I surprised thought me. They've been much better than I thought. Um, yeah. And you know the player of a guy like Derrick Rose, twenty five points on Christmas Day, who's been a, kind of a pleasant surprise without being the His MVP. His per has been like above average, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, so I mean, everyone knows now you can't you can't expect Rose to be a MVP, but all you want him to be is a just a above average starting point guard, which he has been. Yeah, absolutely. Of course, it's a big question of what you do with him in summer. Yeah. But um, I think my main takeaway from this game was um. The Knicks' defense is still it's still horrible. Like it, it holds them back so much. You know, Boston had open look after open look. They pretty much had whatever they wanted. Well, when you when you got a team like Boston, who we know traditionally hasn't been uh, one of the better shooting teams in the league, especially from three, and you let them shoot 
make 14 threes is it's not a good sign. Yeah, and if you want to have a look at look at the uh, Marcus Smart for the game winner. Of course, Marcus Smart isn't a very good three point shooter. You want to leave him open, but he was wide open. Yeah. And at that point of the game, you just you got to throw percentages out the window. You can't leave anyone open, especially that wide open at the end of the game. So, I mean, the Knicks' defense still will hold them back, but like it's not like it's that's nothing. New. Who 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 won the jersey game? Who's who's Christmas jersey um, was better? Um I like I like the Celtics. Just you like the Celtics. I like the Celtics. The all all green with just the white Celtics yeah. writing. I, for I me, like, for I, me I, with NBA jerseys, I find it to be less is more kind of thing. Okay. So I love love the classic, you know, classic um, Bulls jerseys. You know, classic right. Spurs one hasn't changed for like twenty years. Well, Boston's know. hasn't really changed. Boston's forever. is another one. Like Lakers is another classic one you that know, people always bring up. Yeah, I love that because you can kind of see, um, like, you can see Larry Bird and and Isaiah Thomas wearing the same jersey. Like, yeah. Whereas if you go to you know franchise such as uh, the Cavs or Warriors, you know. Multiple um, colorways, yeah, multiple jerseys, changing year after all year. over the place. So, right? You know, I, I love the simplicity of, of their jersey, and I love the Christmas Day jerseys this year. Yeah, I probably agree with you. The Christmas Day jerseys were awesome. I like, but I like New York's as well. Yeah, I thought New York's was pretty good. That was a pretty close jersey matchup for me. Mm. They were pretty close, just like the game. Yeah, it was. <laughs> and speaking of close games, the next game was just absolutely unbelievable. I'm sure you've all seen it by now. Uh, it was the Cavs and the Warriors. It was the finals yes. rematch. We all knew the hype coming in. You know, the last season, the last two finals series, you had players talking to each other off the court in the media, this and that. But, geez, this was this lived up to every bit of hype and more. In case you missed it, if you've been living under a rock, the Cavs beat the Warriors 109-108. Of course, Kyrie Irving with the... Um, it, was, it was an impossible game winner over Clay Thompson with about three it's seconds what he left. does, man. It's what yeah. he does. And Just... then, of course, um, you had Kevin Durant did get fouled on the last play. The yeah. NBA's come out and acknowledged that there should have been yeah. a foul called. He should have been sent to the free-throw line. And LeBron should have got a tech for swinging on the ring about 500 times after he had that big dunk in the final um, in the final moment. So but here's, the, here's the thing with me. for for the I'm not a big fan of the two-minute report, man. I don't think really anyone is. Because it just ignores... I mean, mistakes... Refs make mistakes. You know, it, they're human. They're, you know, it's it's not wrong that they make mistakes. But... Mistakes are made in the first 46 minutes of the game as well, not yeah, just the that's last a, two. that's a discussion. And, you know, when you look at the Kevin Durant one, it, yeah, it's obvious that he got fouled, but you have to look at the context of the game. They're not going to call that. They, yeah. they never call that. Like, it's not just they decide, oh, it's the Warriors, you know, we're at Cleveland, we can't call this. No, like, they never call fouls like that late in the game. Refs refs let superstars play, you know, let let the players figure it out. Yeah, that's true. I think the two-minute report one's interesting. I mean, you have both sides. If you have the one side where it's just like, well, what does it add? Like, you know, it's after the fact. It's yeah. the next day. It's not going to change anything. But at the same time, it's a league owning up to their mistakes. It's, it's accountability, then, isn't it? It's accountability, but I mean, uh, I don't know. Uh, to me, like, if they get rid of them, it's not going to affect me either way. If they keep them, I'm... Yeah. Like, I, I, I don't mind seeing them that they made mistakes, you know, and when it's a situation like this where there was two fouls on the winning team, one of them would have been a tech. Yeah, it, it, it's a big, big game. I, I think, think I think the tech the tech was a square up for the Richard Jefferson wink, which should have never been a tech. And I think possibly the, I think the ref knew that, so he kind of let the LeBron thing slide because that was I, the LeBron should have been a tech. Absolutely, well, that that was, was, yeah. He, yeah. He, we've seen so so much less more call. Than Do you that. know what was one of my favorite parts of the game was I think it was in the in the second you know in the third or the fourth it was definitely in the second half right. um, but Draymond Green of course he was very angry this game um, we saw he received, got a tech in the first like two a, minutes yeah, yeah. <laughs> received a tech early so he was on edge all game yeah. and we know Draymond's histrionics when he scores when he has a dunk yep, he yells yep, yep, you know yep, yep. and he had a dunk I think it was in the third and he slams it, um, two-handed jam, and he's like, yeah! And then he was, he reminded me of like a wrestler, a heel heel wrestler. <laughs> yeah. He did this strut away from the basket, like really slowly. Okay, yeah. Oh, it was so hilarious. And it was just <laughs> Draymond in one play. Like, <laughs> I don't think I can remember that off my head. I, I just saw it, and I just, I laughed so hard. I might need to go back to um, the tape for that one. That, and obviously Richard Jefferson de- detonating, re- literally reached oh, into the fountain of youth. That was unbelievable. <laughs> I screamed when that happened. The first one, I was like, 
Wow. Then the second one, I was literally laughing. I was just <laughs> hel- delirious. It was... Oh, there's so many talking points out of this game. What do you... I, which team do you think learnt more out of this game? Oh, look. I think it's always... You can never take concrete lessons out of one game. Yep. So, I don't know if any team learnt more. Um, I would say... I think if we learn anything, we didn't really learn anything. It just um, confirmed what we all thought, that these teams are both on another level. Because even the quality, if we look at the result and the controversy, but the pure quality of the game, you know, the execution was on point. I, I think Golden State played better than Cleveland. I mean, yep. they executed better. They ran their offense better. They defended better. I mean, they had their 14-point lead in the fourth quarter. For all intents and purposes, this should have been a Golden State win. Yeah. But it wasn't, which again shows how close these teams are, yeah. right? It does show the... Um, they're, they're, they're on another pedestal than everyone else. I think and we need this in the, we need seven more games this year. We have <laughs> yeah. to. If we don't get seven games of this in the finals, we'll be a crime. Like, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, oh, yeah. I'm sorry, Clippers and Raptors. Yeah, yeah, and you Spurs. guys are cute, but, but no this, one this, is, this. This, this is the matchup. But I, I actually think, um, and this is not... When we're analysing this game, we have to... Me and you, obviously, being Cavs fans, we have to kind of take our Cavs hats off. Oh, I think I, I'm um, Golden State, there's no way Cleveland should have won that game. Yeah, no, they no shouldn't way. have. But I think the Cavs actually learnt, learnt a lot more from this game than I think the Warriors did because everyone knew, you know, the Warriors were good anyway last year and, you know, we know that finals win for the Cavs, a lot of things went into into them winning that, that series and you had Kevin Durant to that, you know, the Warriors knew that they can match up with Cleveland. But, on the other side of the ball, I don't know if the Cavs, the Cavs themselves probably knew, but us as fans, us as spectators, writers, whatever the case may be, we we didn't know, you know, how's Kevin Love going to be on the floor against this new awesome foursome of, of the Warriors? And so I think in that respect, the Cavs kind of proved to themselves that, hey, we can, you know, Kevin Durant or not, we can hang with them. And one thing that was really um, eye-opening to me was the play of Kevin Love because he's been the guy that people have said over the last three years that when the Warriors go to their small lineup, this guy cannot be on the floor. But in Game 7, he was a plus 19. To Christmas Day, he led all players with plus 12. Played 32 minutes, same amount of minutes as Draymond, who was... They were both actually in foul trouble. Um, so I think that's something that I, I learned heaps was the fact that you know Kevin Love can can be on the floor and can he actually played well so yeah no I, I agree with that I mean Love Love was definitely a plus but I still think we also saw on the flip side of that that the Cavs don't oh, I don't think any team does but the Cavs really don't have anyone to stop KD no like he just no he, I don't have the the box score in front of me but he just tore it up yeah it was 11 of 23 yeah uh, and that was he cooled down um substantially yeah. in the fourth yeah. I think he was I think he was in, uh, eleven of eighteen at one point. He missed his last last five shots. Yeah. Um. I think he was zero for two in the last five minutes. But after they, he did all the heavy lifting, getting to that fourteen was, point lead. Oh, he was sensational um, in the first half. It and was, and um, he seemed really angry. Did you notice that? Yeah, I, I was thinking about that coming into the game. I did he my um, really angry. I did a preview for each game on yeah. the um SCN website before before Boxing Day. Right. And I was talking about how with this game, so it's, the thing I was focusing on, it was kind of left field, but how is Durant's mindset going to be considering he wasn't playing in the finals? Yeah, he year. hasn't and been a part of this. He rivalry. didn't have that like, oh, you know, that, that feeling of being in the last two mm. finals against this team, whereas Steph did, Clay did, Draymond Green, et cetera, et cetera. But he just was so aggressive and he was angry and he was just going at the Cavaliers. He was going at the Cavs. He was going at the people in the crowd. Like after and he dominated. Every, after every single like dunk that he had, he was growling at people in the first row. Like He was really into this. Yeah, he was. Um, he integrated himself real quick. Yeah, so I think, I think if we did learn that love can play, I also think we learned that I think over the span of seven games, that matchup will even out. Not saying it's a direct one-on-one matchup, mm. but that little um, that situation there will even out in terms of um, Duran because he was absolutely awesome. I think I think there's there's just so little separating these oh, two teams. It like, is so I don't like the, the numbers of their last like however many meetings are so so close. Well, the the sort fi- in the finals last year it was, it was uh, the cumulative score was six ninety nine all before Kyrie Irving hit the. It's ridiculous. Like, which is unbelievable. <laughs> we always. Uh, 
it's such I, I, I guess a question we, we can ask is now it's a bit hard to say it now because in in general terms it's still a youngish rivalry like it's been two years but mm. is this a if we keep this pace up because for the foreseeable future we don't know what's going to happen in free agency on the trade market yeah. for the foreseeable excuse me for the foreseeable future it's going to be these two teams at the top mm. will this ever reach a Celtics Lakers type type rivalry it's, it's on the way there. maybe not in length in terms of like are oh, they going to meet like not uh, like for I'm not sure the set in the sixties it was almost like a Celtics every year. Yeah. I'm not sure if length rise it's going to be forever, but I think entertainment rise and quality wise and and you know you know so what, many other factors it's, it might reach that same. You level. know what what's um they they are for me on the trajectory to being that kind of rivalry and what I think we know about all the on on court stuff you know yeah. The, but off off the court, the the pettiness between the two, <laughs> it's like, really like two a, players, the franchises, their Twitter accounts, like <laughs> just it's everything. A, it's a real modern day rivalry. It, it, that, it's definitely a twenty sixteen yeah, rivalry, with like the subtweets and so, uh, like Instagram posts, yeah, ca- causing like, stirs and Snapchats <laughs> and people like people talk about um, super teams being bad for the league and stuff. But I mean, the this game killed ratings. Like oh. Hundred percent. This rivalry is so good for the league right now. Oh, it's it keeps everyone in. I mean, it's one of those rivalries where you any week, no matter what happened that week, you can start talking about this, and it'll give you an hour or <laughs> yeah. two hours because there's just so many facets. What Look, did you? Sorry, go go on, go on. I was just saying, what what did you think of um, Steph Curry? I was play? about to bring. I was going to yep. say we've talked about this for nearly like I don't know, like fifteen or so minutes. We haven't even talked about Steph Curry yet. Yeah. Who, for some reason, seems to struggle against Cleveland and, starts, like it, and it, on Christmas Day? Yeah, on Christmas Day. I mean, I don't, I don't know. He almost he didn't seem as aggressive. We talked about Durant's aggressiveness before. Mm. He didn't see Steph didn't seem as um, demanding on Christmas Day. Look, I mean, he he still hit that big three in the final moments. But Steph, Steph can't have eleven shots, man. He's gonna Steph, have more than that. He has to have, and he said it after the game. He can't. He cannot walk away from a game that they've lost and only had 11 shots. A I game of that magnitude I don't as well. Care. I don't care if he's none for 11. He's got to have more he's shots. He's got to have more shots. Is that on him or on them? Like, as in them, as in, like, it's, the Warriors. It's always a bit of both. But. It's a bit of both, but I think here's the thing for me with Steph, right? Because he's a superstar that is so different um, personality-wise to any other superstar that we've really seen. I mean... We know we know how self selfless LeBron James is, but he's still got that alpha mentality, you know you know what I mean? And I'm not saying Steph doesn't at all, but he's um oh, how do I even put this? He he's so accommodating, you know, like even with Kevin Durant coming on, he was more than happy to, you know, put his ego aside and say, you know, I don't care who wins the MVPs, whatever. Um so I think at the start of this season what we've seen is kind of Curry almost wanting to appease Durant and make sure Durant's transition to the Warriors is is clean and smooth and it has been. Um, they're twenty seven and five, um, and had lost this game by one point, you know, away from home. Um, but I think at, in doing so, they've kind of gone away from you know what made them so unstoppable mm. last year, which was the Curry Draymond Green pick and roll. Like yeah. I don't remember them running one. Uh, on yeah, Christmas yeah. Day, like that was that was the play that Kevin Love couldn't be on the floor. That was the play that led them to seventy three wins, and like no one in the league could could guard that. And that was always a concern coming in, wasn't it? Was like how they're going to mesh, and the, it there's only one ball, man. Like, yeah, at the end of the day, there is only one ball. I think. Yeah, look, I think Steph definitely has to be like. I feel like Steph is one of those players, right? Where he makes his own shots. Yeah. So, like, a lot of players, you can see, they get shots based on the system they play in. Like Clay Thompson. Yeah, right, yeah. right. But with Steph, I feel like he creates his shots. Hmm. He's the one that will dribble up the court, get in that pick and roll, get a mismatch, pull up, drive it to the rim, where I think he's finishing at the rim ability is pretty underrated. But he's he creates his shots. And this guy's, you can't make him. I think you said it in the, um, when we previewed uh, this division at the start of the year, that Steph Curry's far too talented to be, you know, Jason Kidd on offense. Like mm. he he's a system in itself. Yeah. Like he's so good. And it's not this man was he's a two time MVP. He had one of the best regular seasons that we have ever seen last year 
offensively yeah. as well. Um, so he's not. It's not like he's forgotten how to shoot. Oh, of like, course not. But at the same, you. I know you got Kevin Durant, and you can't stick him in the corner like Harrison Barnes. But um, I think you need to unlock unlock your two time MVP a little bit better. Yeah, and if, like if in saying that, there's still so much more time to do so. Oh, like, yeah, it's, it's so early. They've so, so, so they've got early. plenty of time to do so. Um, it's funny, like, is Steph, like, not the best player on his team right now? Is Durant the best? Oh, yeah. If you're looking at Golden State, say, who's the best player? KD. You say, isn't that crazy? Week. Every day of the week. You got two-time MVP. But I thought, MS. I mean, and this is going to sound, this this is gonna sound really biased, but I thought, I thought Kevin, I mean, it's so hard to say because Steph had such a great year last year, but when they played each other, Oh, and they were both on the court now for Steph opposing and teams. Who, sorry? Steph and KD. Okay, yep. I would watch it and I'd say Kevin Durant's the best player on the floor. I, I, I think I think there was a bit of a um a sentiment going around last, last year that Durant was uh, being a bit overlooked. He was, definitely. Overlooked. Um, I think last year I would still have Steph over him in terms of when watching, like just because of the amazing season he had. This year, I think it's fair to say Durant's been better. I'm not saying Steph's been bad. Steph's still been absolutely awesome. But it's just... It's, the crazy thing about... It's fascinating. Uh, this is how you know how good Such Steph Curry is, right? Because he's averaging, what, 20, 24, 5, and 5. Uh, shooting, you know, 47, 40, and 94. And we're saying he's having a bad year. Like That tells you how good... Well, I don't playing. think anyone's saying he's having a bad year. Like, like a down year, you know? Like yeah. that—that's a career year for like ninety yeah. percent of the league. That's a career year. Mm. Forty-seven, forty, and ninety-four. It's like, so fascinating. Like, can he? But I think that's oh. that's the one. If the Warriors have to improve one thing for me on Christmas Day, it's it's that. But it's not just. I mean, it's not a coincidence that he rarely goes off against Cleveland. I think, I think the Cavs defend Curry as well as any team I've seen in the league. You know, they have. Last year and the year before was Matthew Delavadova. Yeah. Uh, on Did Christmas Day. Did you feel Day, like um, DeAndre Liggins was playing the Delavadova role? Yes. I was just getting to that. I felt um, like he was doing that. Because they have... pressing they, on him full court. Yeah. They ha- and more teams don't do this. And I don't know why they don't do it because it's not a secret that when Curry goes off, their Warriors are nuclear. Like, when he, when he gets off and when KD gets off, it's two different things if... Uh, you can't really quantify it, but when when Curry's having one of those nights where he's just hitting everything and the ball's in the basket before he even catches it, the Warriors are unstoppable. Like, yep. and we saw so many nights like that last year, um, and we saw we saw one this year with where he broke the three point record. And yeah. So you know he's a special special player, but I think where his uh, lack of lack of production against the Cavs, it's you also have to give the Cavs defense credit. I yeah, absolutely. it's definitely something to keep an eye on moving forward, most likely into June. Moving on, um, we had the Spurs and the Chicago Bulls on Christmas Day. The Spurs run out comfortable winners, one nineteen and one hundred. Of course, they built that big lead. Bulls took the lead back, but then the Spurs ran it out again. Um, there wasn't too much to take from this one for me. Like, I think watching LaMarcus Aldridge this game was so, so good. I'm like, this, it was is, refreshing. The, this is the LaMarcus Aldridge they mean. I mean, they need, excuse me. He's averaging about 17 a game this year, which is good, but like... He has to do more, though. I think he has to tap into his Portland days yes. and be like that 25-point scorer. I mean, he had he had 33, a season high against the Bulls on Christmas. 15 was, for 20. Yeah, he, was, he hit his first 11 shots. He was so good on the pick and pop, like... The Bulls' defense was horrible. Like, Robin Lopez, for some reason, just wasn't getting out to LaMarcus Aldridge. But, like, Aldridge was just hitting him, and he was so comfortable, so aggressive. Like, I think if the Spurs want a challenge, this is the LaMarcus Aldridge we need to see. He has... And, like, we know he can do this. He's done it before. He's been He's an guy. all-star. He's been the guy Oh, in absolutely. Portland. Like, he can do it. Yeah. We just got to see more of it. I mean, and then you've obviously got Kawhi playing, like, an MVP, so you've got to factor in those two skill sets. But... I think I watching this game. I'm like, the one takeaway I had was why doesn't the Marcus Aldridge do this more? Why why isn't he this aggressive all the time? You know, like you're not going to hit your first eleven shots every game, no. of course. But the way he was doing stuff was just awesome. And the Spurs were running their sets awesome. And you, if you're the Spurs, right? You, if you have Aldridge being your um, number one guy offensively, that uh, 
takes kind of that burden off Kawhi's shoulders and he can focus on, you know, defending the number one guy every night. Whereas if he's having to do both, now I know he's he's more than capable of doing it, but, you know, it's that wear and tear factor. Um, yeah. And, you know, you can't, there's no stat that, that tells you, you know, how difficult it is to guard, say, Kevin Durant in a seven-game series and how much that takes out of you. Um, and we've seen, like we talked about Steph before, a reason why he hasn't he hasn't played uh, well against the Cavs is because on the other end, the Cavs attack him every single play yeah. and wear him down. So I think if Aldridge is able to take that a bit of that load off Kawhi Leonard and be what he was in Portland, um, I think it will help him down the Yeah, down absolutely. The Moving on, way. running a bit short on time, as we usually do. Um, the next game was Oklahoma City. Um, if it, they did cruise out to the win against the Timberwolves, one twelve to one hundred. I mean, Westbrook was unbelievable. Unbelievable. Um, for me, I thought the um the Oklahoma City bigs were were really good. I mean, these are my takeaways from I did a a write up for the SEN website on what did we learn from the NBA's Boxing Day. You can go read that to get my full um, thoughts on it. Nice but, plug. <laughs> <laughs> I thought Stephen Adams, Ennis Cantor, and Jeffrey Lavere were were really good in different ways. Um. Adams and Westbrook have that that connection down yeah. pat on offense. Like Adams was awesome on that and just getting doing what he needs to do and getting easy shots, right? Yeah. That's what he has to do. He was impactful in the defensive end as always. And as Cantor did what he does, like they've, coming They've got a nice little bench. They do. Quietly. Like Ennis Cantor, twenty points off the bench, that's the output they need from yeah. him to outweigh his defensive deficiencies. I love I love Abrinas. I yeah, love Abrinas. He's, he's come on the last month yeah. or so. Jeremy Grant, as a, as a uh, Thunder member, is shooting 44% from three. Yeah, that's big um, time. Yeah, I mean, if he can hit even the league average, yeah, he suddenly becomes a totally... That's that's a totally different uh, factor for this team. Absolutely. And I think I think Jeffrey Lever, he hit a couple... I mean, I think he yeah, hit like yeah. eight points or something, but he hit two big threes in the first half. In the context of the game, they were big shots. The Thunder needed them. He's someone that can space the floor. Yeah. And Sabonis has looked good starting Sabonis as well. Sabonis looks good. It's with the Thunder, like, you know, they started the season, I think, were they 6-0 and to start? Yeah, they came out of the blocks. And, and it was like, okay, like, you know, it's a cute story, but, you know, and then they had that slump and they um, almost, they were at or near 500. But they're, like, they won, were they 20 and 12 at the moment? Like, oh, they're around there. They're, they're definitely leg- they're well a, above the 500 mark. They're a legitimately good team. No, they. I think. I they're think we've got to come to accept they're a good team. Um, obviously, it's all it revolves around Westbrook, but they have yeah. some good pieces around them. The final game on Christmas Day was played in a Staples Center in Los Angeles. It was the Lakers taking in the Clippers, one eleven, one hundred two. Caveat, of course, no Blake Griffin and no Chris Paul. And for me, like this isn't any like and a half of JJ Redick. Yeah, exactly. And for me, this isn't breaking news. But what did we learn from this game? Is the Clippers need those guys? <laughs> yeah, like we know they can stay afloat without Blake. They've you done get, it before. What we you take what, both of them out. What we learned is that Austin Rivers is not very good. <laughs> Don't tell him that because he'll think differently. Um, <laughs> I love how confident Austin he's is. He's very, like, very confident. He's, he did this, uh, I think, about twice. He'll say so he's got a... And Austin Rivers is not a good shooter, right? And he had he had a... Uh, I can't remember who it was. He, he had he had a guard on him on, on the perimeter. And he does this quick crossover move. But he does one move too many, so he loses the defender and then gets him back again. <laughs> and then he has to part. Then he jump steps. Yeah, right. But he doesn't create any space because the defender knows what the hell he's going to do. Yeah. So then he has to pass the ball to Jamal Crawford, and Jamal Crawford just takes some, you know, dribble move. Some Jamal Crawford um, long shot. two. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> Look, I mean, the Clippers—they got off to such a hot start. They've been pretty disappointed based on by the standards they set since Thanksgiving. Now the injuries are coming. You just hope that... I mean, we, we spoke about it at the start of the year, how maybe this is the year Clippers have got it together. And it's getting decidedly it's almost, very Clippers-esque. Yeah, so you just hope that... DeAndre Jordan and Chris Paul were in a car crash today. Yes, I yes, I saw that. Um, Lakers were fun. Lakers were awesome. I mean... Lakers it, are also bottom equal bottom worst record in the league now. Yeah, well, that was still fun. Um, <laughs> that was still very fun. They're probably fun. the most fun bad team I've seen in a yeah, long time. no, definitely. So... 
Gents and ladies, ladies and gents, that was your Christmas Day NBA wrap. A bit belated, a couple of days later, but it doesn't That's matter. That's right, we got there. There were still we plenty of topics to talk about. Um, let's broaden our approach to the entire week last week as opposed yes. to just one day. On the SEN NBA podcast, The Starting Five. And this doesn't happen every week, but it has happened, it's happened this week. We have mutually agreed. Yes, on we'll come, the come to a consensus. four changes, a lot of changes. We're going to run through this really quickly uh-huh. because Chris wants to get to something he wants to spend a little bit of time on later in the show, so listen out for that. But it's four changes. If you're new to the show, excuse me, I'll introduce the concept. It's the uh, the starting five. We have um, each week the team of the week. You can. It's a two-guard, three-forward format like the All-Star game. Very prestigious. Yeah, it is. And every week you can make a maximum of four changes, minimum of one. So you have to make at least one change, maximum of four. End of the year, we are compiling all the votes. The player with the most votes in the team will be named the SEN NBA Podcast Player of the Year. Last week, getting it caught up was Kyle Lowry, DeMar DeRozan, Carl Anthony Towns, Rudy Gobert, and Paul Millsap. This week, we have agreed on the maximum of four changes. Been a big, big week. So coming into the squad for the guard position, it's Isaiah Thomas and Russell Westbrook. Out, of course, is the Raptors juror of Lowry and DeRozan. For the forwards, Carl Anthony Towns keeps his spot. But coming into the squad is Kevin Durant and Giannis Antetokounmpo. Coming out of the squad is Paul Millsap and Rudy Gobert. So a lot of changes for this week's team. Uh, We'll get started with the guards real quickly. Yep. Isaiah Thomas and Westbrook were both named players of the week in their respective conferences. We spoke about Westbrook before. He was he averaged forty one points this week and ten assists and nine point eight rebounds. Like, like dude, that's, I mean, like you can't, you literally can't say anything more. Like that's that's it. He's he became just... the only, he became only the third player in history to log three consecutive games with at least forty points. 10 rebounds and 5 assists, joining Algin Baylor, who did it twice, and Wilt Chamberlain. Like, oh, it's it's incredible. Here's here's the thing with Westbrook. Like, I, so many people I see, you know, he'll have a ridiculous stat line. Like, he'll put up 45, 11, and 11. And um, fans will be like, oh, but he shot 11 of 27. Forget it. Like, if you're that, he had if, five turnovers. You know, if Fuck. if you're yes. if you're sad enough to ignore that this guy is literally making history on a nightly basis to talk about true shooting or or you know some sort of analytics, I, I feel sorry for you, man. Yeah, absolutely. Isaiah Thomas had a pretty fun week for the Celtics. He averaged thirty three and a half points and seven point three assists. Boston went three on one. He scored a career high forty four points, including thirty six. In the second half, in their win over Memphis earlier this week, Isaiah has been awesome. He's been underrated this season. Yeah, he, he has. has been unbelievable. His scoring numbers are through the roof. Yeah, 26.8. Like that's 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 no joke. That's elite. That's elite stuff. He, from Isaiah he, Thomas. He'll be an all star lock this year. He has, he has to, to be. be right. He has to. We always talk about there's always a slew of guards in both posi- in both conferences. Yeah. Some guys just have to get in no matter what. I think the four locks for me on the in the East would be Isaiah, the two Raptors for sure. And probably Kyrie Irving. I'd say those four. I think John Wall's nearly a lock. He's been awesome. He John has, Wall's he been... has, but his team hasn't. That, that yeah, counts. But you that can... counts. I mean, Kemba, maybe. Kemba's another one. Kemba yeah, Walker. There's so many. One of them... Uh, who who we, so They're going to miss out. One of them's going to miss... You can't, one of them you can't have like out. seven guards. Yeah, I know. Well, you have what the two starting when, spots, when the coaches, three off the bench, and I think two wild cards. As so, well. who your starters are probably D Wade be, will probably get voted in. He's a guard. I don't think he'll get voted in this year. Maybe on popularity. So. Think, Jimmy Butler, if you count him as a guard, no, nah, he won't be a guard this year. Okay, he's, so, he's a forward. Okay, um, just so we could go on. There's yeah, so many. There's so many. Just but, moving but on quickly. Point is, I say has been awesome. He's been absolutely yes. unbelievable. Um, Giannis and Durant. Um, Durant, we don't have to spend much time on. I mean, his point totals this week, real quick, 22 points and 5 rebounds, 26 points, 9 rebounds, 7 assists, 32 points, 8 rebounds, 36 points, 15 rebounds on Christmas Day. I mean, his shooting percentages as always were through the roof in all those games. Yep. Giannis was pretty much the same, you know, stuff in the stat sheet. Giannis is a problem, game. man. Giannis oh. is a problem. Look, I'm, I've been saying it all year. He's going to be the best player in five years in the league. You'll, yeah, five years will be the best. Thing I'm the telling league. you, if if Giannis Antetokounmpo ever 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 learns how to shoot, it's over. You're you're starting a team right now. If I have any pick in the league, I'm taking Giannis. 
I'm taking him over Anthony Towns, Pe- Anthony Davis. I'm taking Giannis over people, all of them. People talk about the team that's going to eventually knock the Cavs off. It's it's a it's a Bucks. It's a Bucks for me. Bucks look good. Bucks look good. Giannis look good this week. Twenty five points already. Like he can't even shoot, and they have no idea what to do. With yeah. Like, no, no, no one does. No, no, no one, one does. does. He's awesome. This week, 25 points, 13 rebounds, two assists, three blocks, two steals. 28 points, five, assi- five assists, five rebounds, two steals, a block. 39 points, eight rebounds, six assists, two steals, a block. 22 points, 12 assists, seven assists, 12 rebounds, seven assists. We're getting it all mixed up. One his, block. His career. This isn't the um, Luke reading Giannis stats podcast, but it's turning into it because there's just so many. His I don't know if there's any one player in the league who has a higher learning arc that that picks up things quicker than he does. Like, yeah, he does. His year from his improvement from year to year, like he could he could potentially be most improved player this year. And I I think he, oh, he's that, that's locked down. It's either he's it's down either him or his teammate Jabari Parker, one of those two. It would have to be Giannis for me. Yeah, because he's Giannis is elevating himself into the superstar yeah, status, into yeah. the stratosphere, right? Yeah. Um, I think like. He's just so, like, it's the crazy thing about Giannis for me is, right, he's 22, if yeah. I'm not mistaken, but this is his fourth year in the league. Mm. So he's so, so young at 22. We're seeing rookies getting drafted at 22, 23 years old. He has a PER of 28.21. It's crazy. Like that The average PER that's for- That's one of the best of all time. The average PER for an All-Star is 20. League yeah. average is 15. Most All-Stars are about 20. He's at a 28. A transcendent, like, peak year is- like 20, 28, 28, 29, 30. Like, this kid is And he's 22 is in his fourth year. So he's got four years of experience. With, with literally no jump shot. Yeah. He's shooting yes. 28% from yes. three. You watch him play, teams leave him so open when he's got the ball and he's he's dribbling up. Teams cheat back almost into the paint. And you know, you know what? Him. Like, he he sees that and he hesitates and that's when he misses. Yeah. I think when we've seen... And we, that'll come with time. Yeah, but you see sometimes the ball gets kicked out to him and without hesitating, he launches it and it looks beautiful and it goes in. Yeah. So I think it's just a matter of him, you know, getting confident in his own ability to knock that shot down. When he does that, man... Yeah, Bucks could be a fun team. You've got him, yes. Jabari, you touched on briefly. Chris Middleton hasn't played a game this Our year. Boy, he Dally. won't be playing a game this year. NBA champion, Delhi. Yeah, dally has been doing his thing. I mean, John Henson's still there. Greg Monroe's been in and out of the rotation. Not too sure what's going on Cause with you, him. Because if you think about the Bucks next year when Middleton comes back, yep. Delhi moves to the bench and Giannis becomes the actual point guard. Yeah. That's, that's, that's when really, you know, and we don't know what... Thon Maker will be next year. Mm-hmm. He's looked good. He showed in, signs. Showed signs. So, yeah. uh, highlight being a fight with Richard Jefferson. <laughs> uh, but, nah, he hit man. two frees in a game. Fun, fun team. They are a fun team. Yeah. Um, so, yes, that was our starting five for this week. It, it was a fun week for the starting five. There was a lot of good performances. Very tough to lock this one yeah, down this week. Definitely. But we did come to a mutual agreement, which, I mean, is always a lot better. Because yes. then we don't have to fight. Although fighting's fun, so maybe it isn't as good. Because I guess it's a bit boring if we're like, yeah, I agree. Fight. With you. It sounds like we beat each other up in the studio. <laughs> <laughs> we're here at the uh, WWE WrestleMania but, NBA um, podcast. <laughs> uh, no, like, look, I'm sure next week we'll disagree. Actually, you won't be here next I week. I won't we're be here, man. End of the show. I wish I could disagree end, with you. End of the show, you can hear that, yes. and you can hear what we have in store next month in January. It'll be a big month for the SNBA NBA podcast. Keep in store for that. Listen right to the end, and I'll give you all the details, as sketchy as they may be, but I'll get them to you as soon as possible. Now, moving on, Chris. Yes. Um, you have a you're wrong. You're wrong. Excuse me. I didn't have one. <laughs> I mean, I'm just... I have one that's big enough for us both, and Chris Toss. Big enough for the world. Big enough. Oh, my goodness. It's better be good. You've talked me up on it. This is... I don't know what it's about. You've talked me up on it, so um, take the floor. So, those of you who who listen, um, who are listening to us, there's a, a ESPN podcast called True Hoop. Mm-hmm. Um, very good podcast. Very good podcast. Yep. You know, I listen to it quite a lot. Um, has a range of fantastic guests. Yeah, um, it's always something different as well. Yeah, or you're talking about Amin El Hassan, um, Tom Haberstroh, you know, Brian Windhorst, Dave McMenamin's been on there. Um, Goes on Ethan on. Strauss. Yep. Fantastic basketball minds filled with them. And they had a podcast today, which was called the Kyrie Irving debate. Oh, um, no, not more Cavs talk. Yeah. <laughs> so, not more Cavs talk. All right. Uh, here we yeah, go. Yeah. So it's called the Kyrie Irving debate. And 
it was basically an hour of Tom Haberstrow talking about how Kyrie Irving is not that good and using all every single analytic uh, under the sun, uh, talking about what this is why Kyrie Irving isn't good and um, not good by which standards or which um, like just not good in general or did he say not good compared to Russell Westbrook or Chris Paul? Like, well, did they say... Oh, I haven't listened to the podcast. Yeah, yeah. I'm just trying to flesh... Did they set any guidelines? Not guidelines, but they, you know... Well, this is when I should have stopped listening to the podcast, was when Tom uh, mentioned Rajon Rondo in a list of elite point guards. I, I should have known to turn Really? Yes. Because he talked about... Was he um, in 2008? So, no, they were talking about um, opponent PER when guarded by point guards. And supposedly Rondo, you know, Kyrie Irving ranks really badly in this metric. Um, and then he went on to go and talk about, you know, elite point guards and, and Rondo was included there. So wow. Well, we all know Kyrie's defense always been bad. He's yeah. a horrible defender. Like yes. He's <laughs> he dies bad. on screens. Like, you know, that's yeah. not that's not a secret. Yeah. But Rondo's not a good defender. No. I, I just thought, you know, the timing of this after... What we've seen last year in the finals, this guy at age 24, putting up 27-4-4, efficient clip uh, on the biggest stage, hitting one of the biggest shots in NBA history, a franchise-changing shot. And then we throw him do it again on Christmas Day. Mm -hmm. Not a franchise-changing shot, but we know what we're uh, saying. You know, uh, outplayed the two-time MVP. He, You know, whatever metric you want to use... He's outplayed the two-time MVP in the last eight games that they've played. Yep. And um, so they talked about, you know, Kyrie Irving's not very good and Brian Windhorst was on there. You know, Brian Brian Windhorst and uh, Tim McMahon were on there as well. Okay. And um, they were talking about, you know, they were, they were taking Kyrie's side and talking about, well, Kyrie Irving's still 24. He's got so yep. much growth to do, and he's already grown so much in the three years that LeBron James has been there. He grew from his rookie year to his third season quite a bit as well. Um, and then, you know, Brian Windhorst talked about, well, Kyrie Irving, he's he's had to make a big adjustment in to play with LeBron James because... As a star, it's it's not always easy to play with no, LeBron James. Not. You know, you can ask Chris Bosh this. And, ask Kevin Love. And Tom went and said, well, Mario Chalmers played well. You know, Shane Battier played well. You know, all went on to list um, role players. Right. Which didn't make sense to me. And um, And then they talked about Kyrie Irving end of game situations and said, "Oh yeah, you know he's a fantastic offensive player. We all know that uh, makes ridiculous shots." And Tom says, "But when I watch that, that's not NBA basketball to me." Which that was the most egregious point for me. Wow! I was like, "How the hell? How the how is Tom? How is it not not NBA basketball to you?" <laughs> when we always like, say like. The clutch, clutch NBA sure, basketball. It sure looked like NBA basketball in Oracle Arena in Game 7. Clutch NBA basketball is isolation basketball. You know, superstars win games. You say it all the time and you need superstars to win games, right? It's because in the clutch moments, when do you ever see in a clutch moment a nice drawn-up set? You don't. Because it's give it to your best player and get out of the way. As, and rightfully so. It, we talk, works a lot. We talked about the Warriors, you know, a lot today, and we have for the last three years. And last year, they ran some of the most beautiful offense that oh, the world has ever absolutely. seen. Absolutely. But when it came down to Game Seven, they were playing one on one too. Yeah. You know, they weren't they weren't running uh, elevators play. Yeah. They weren't running a cyclone play. They were, they were running a straight up, you know. Simple, maybe a pick and roll, but it was one on one. You know, Steph yep. Curry, here you go, be, and as were Cleveland as well. Be, yeah, it was. Yeah, that's what it comes down to, that, man. Yeah, and that, yeah, you it comes down to the players. You can't tell me that's not basketball. That that's not valuable. Yeah, of course it's valuable. That, I mean, and the thing with with Kyrie and when when you're defending Kyrie and arguing about Kyrie is that so many times people kind of take away anything good that he does and say, well, LeBron, you know. Well, he's playing with LeBron, of course, but you know, it doesn't mean that you can automatically, you know, hit game winners. Like mm. you can't. 
Well, not like hitting game winners before LeBron it's not came. Like, not like they're moving out of the way. The so move to fourth score. quarter nickname came before LeBron. Yeah, so, so he was doing this beforehand. Um, so that I found I found outrageous. What do you think about this? Yeah, look, uh, I I haven't listened to the podcast, yep. so I can't comment concretely. But I mean, I'll take it at face value of what you're saying. I mean, it's I highly disagree with with Tom. Like and I, Tom's a smart basketball he's guy. He's like, very good. Yeah, <laughs> very good. Um, look, yeah, oh, I understand the criticism of Kyrie, and for some of it, I agree. If he's not a good defender, the way he plays is always like almost counterproductive to a team's overall offensive approach because it is that one-on-one style of play. <laughs> but that doesn't mean you're a bad player. It's a different style of player. And look, I mean, we've seen players like that succeed. We've seen players like that who haven't succeeded. Depends on how good the player is. We know Kyrie's a great offensive player. I think with Kyrie, if, um, which this might sound, I'm not sure how this is going to sound, but if Kyrie was the star lone player on a team, like an a la maybe a John Moore type, like, with like not Bradley Bill, but like you know what I'm trying to say. Yeah, if he was in that, it's let's say Kyrie's Irving in Washington. Yep. The would he be as good? I mean, I, it's tough to say, but I think if he was in something something in Washington, like the I could imagine the records would be similar. Like mm-hmm. if Kyrie was in Washington, yeah, instead of John Moore, their record would be similar, which isn't great. Although they've been winning lately, they're yep. near 500. But you know what I'm trying to say. Well, the, I'm not yeah. sure if he's one of those guys that can take a team from um, from 12 seed to 8 seed to 6 seed to 4 seed progressively. He's not. I don't know. He's not good enough for me at the moment, from what I've seen, to be uh, the best player on the championship team. Yeah, right. But yeah, yeah. No one's saying he is. LeBron no. James is the best player on this team. Like, that's, yep. don't get it twisted. That's like, true. This guy's fantastic. But it's you know, interesting the, debate. The king is the king. Like, and that's the beauty. I think. Kyrie, he's he's perfect for what the Cavs need, mm-hmm. you know, because the Cavs, he's he's not the primary ball handler. You know, LeBron James is, is averaging nine assists a game, and I think when Kyrie Irving's averaging five and a half assists a game as a secondary ball handler, which is I think is fantastic, um, and you know, was on this podcast was talking about Kyrie Irving being a non-passer, which. I, I didn't understand. Five and a half assists, that's not nothing. Oh, I like, can understand the line pass. I mean, do I agree with it completely? No, but I know what he's saying. Yeah, but... I, I, he's, he's, it's, he made him sound he's like... He's not a passer. He's made him sound like Clay Thompson. No, but I think it's fair to say that Kyrie's not a passer. Like, if we're speaking of pass, he's not a passer. And that's not saying he doesn't pass. He's not a passer first. He's a scorer first, for sure. Yeah, yeah, right. I mean... I think yeah, I think tough. with Kyrie, right, so much, and this is why I hate positions, yeah. If he's got SG next to his name instead of PG, half of this discussion goes away. Yeah. Half no, of it goes true. away. Because yep. if your shooting guard's averaging five and a half assists a game, no one has a problem with that. It's because he has PG next to his name. And we've got this, you know, this um, image in our head that, oh, our point guard has to average nine assists and 18 oh, I, I think I know. I think we've moved out of that a little bit with the but new wave of point I think, guards. I think we have in other positions, but not in point guards is still there. No, nah, I don't think and, so. Not with the new wave of point guards, with the way Steph plays and Westbrook plays and the rest of them. Yeah, but still... I don't think a lot of... I definitely don't. Maybe I could be wrong. It's probably... But I don't. You don't. I don't. But a large, large section of people still do. They still want their point guard to be John Stockton or Chris Paul when, you know, the new age of point guards, you're talking, talking about those guys, talking about Kyrie, talking about, look who's in college, Markel Fultz, you yep. know, who's uh, exactly in that same mold. Um, and I say that we still haven't moved out of it is because people still rate a guy like John Wall who's not really a shooter, not not really a scorer, but still has nine assists a game, so people value him very highly. Whereas they don't. I think John Moore's a bit of a scorer, though. I value John Moore really highly. I I value him too, but you know, people value him so much higher than Kyrie Irving. Where I think they're probably on the same level. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably say they're on the same level as well. War definitely has a massive defensive advantage. Uh, and here's the thing: I, th- they're, they're, I think they're very that that's two players that have always probably been linked. Yeah. You always a lot of players have a player that they're linked to throughout their career. He's definitely that one. We're running out of a bit of time, so yes. just finally, what do you have to say to um to Tom, your mate Tommy Boy there? Tom Haberstro and you're the rest. Wrong, yeah. You're wrong, <laughs> you're wrong.
Got a bit excited there, but we got through it. Um, We are over time, as always, but um, again, appreciate everyone who's listening, wherever you are, in the car, walking to the park, I don't know, watching the cricket. I don't know what you're doing, but we appreciate everyone listening. Um, Just before we get to some news for the podcast, Chris, where can we find your stuff? Uh, My Twitter account is at cdesilva23. on Believe the Hype, uh, believethehype.com.au, and 16winsring.com. Yep, very exciting new website there for all NBA fans. I'm on Luke, at Luke Sakari, SEN America, Pick and Roll, WNBL, and a whole heap of other stuff at Luke Sakari. You can find me there. Um, Chris, you're heading overseas. Yeah, man, going back to the motherland. Yeah, um, Shalaka, oh, he's, so, he's going home. Skylar Gray. Got to write an essay. Skylar Gray, Skylar Gray better be at the airport playing a <laughs> piano. Um, but no, nah, it should be good, man. Uh, it's beautiful country if you guys haven't been there. Um, very warm, very humid. So I don't like it already. It's very warm. Uh, yeah, very, I, very warm and guys, humid. Luke, I don't like Luke it. is a Grinch of good weather. He just does not like good weather, which I don't understand. I love winter. What are you talking? I love cold. There's nothing good about the cold. Oh, we can, no, I'm not signing this. We can go on for another we hour. We need another podcast. But yeah, <laughs> I, I will be gone, man. So I'm an, I'm going to miss you. Yeah, I'm no, and, oh, I will miss you. And of course, because you're gone, that means you're out of that chair, which means I'm the only one in the studio. So what we have planned for January, we have... I've organized a slate of names of guests, you Fantastic know. Fantastic guests too. So uh, you will hear about who they are in the coming weeks yeah. on Twitter at SCN America, hashtag SCN NBA podcast. But we will, the podcast will be going on every week. Maybe not every Wednesday, depending on a guest availability, but it will be weekly and we'll be joining by all types of guests, which will be a load of fun. There will still be awesome NBA talks. Some awesome stories will be told on the podcast throughout throughout the month of January. Of course, Christos Tyler, who was with us um, previously, and he's still a part of the podcast in a way. He's in America as well in January, so he's gone too. But um, You're alone, man. I'm alone, but we will find... We've got a lot in store. We've got big things it's in store. Like, you're, you're, like, you're like Westbrook after Durant <laughs> oh, and James Harden and Ibaka. You have abandoned me. <laughs> but um, look, we have heaps in store still on the SCN NBA podcast. So stay tuned on Definitely. Twitter at SCN America. You can find it all there. Chris, thank you. Have a nice New Year's. Everyone you, have man. a nice New Year's. Yes. Enjoy. Have a safe you, trip. Enjoy. And we will catch up when you get back. Yes, we will. Beautiful. Thank you for listening. We'll catch you all next week. To keep up to date with the latest American sports news and interviews from around SEN, follow SEN America on Twitter at SEN America and on Facebook at facebook.com slash SEN America.